0: Thank you for tuning in as we continue on in our series in the book of Ezekiel, New Heart, New Spirit. This is the 31st in this series. Here, September the 6th, 2023, the 20th of Elu, 5783 of the Hebrew calendar. Here, take your Bibles and if you would turn with me over to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 35, verses 1 through 15, as we get into the wonderful word of God, amen, here We look and we begin to realize that uh, the book of Ezekiel, New Heart, New Spirit, is for those who have grown complacent or cold in our walk with God. And so a new heart outlines how God desires to bring us closer to Him. We've looked at the, the, the monarchy of all the kings that have failed Jerusalem and that have failed the nation of Israel. They failed in their leadership. And so Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, uh, Jokachin, and Zedekiah, all of these had failed the nation of Israel. And here we look and we begin to realize that um, the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. And there's two reference scriptures that I read that I name this series New Heart, New Spirit after, and that is out of the reference of Ezekiel chapter 11 verses 19 and 20, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statues, and keep my ordinances, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And then on further in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And so, Here we look and we see uh, out of Ezekiel chapter 35, the dangers that Mount Seir, or other words known as Edom, can't dodge. The dangers that Edom can't dodge. Here as we look at the wonderful Word of God that we're reminded of how uh, we remember as we're getting into the month of September, 9-11. I'm going to do a special uh, thing on 9-11 because it's coming up and uh, it's dear to our heart and so as we do that we think about how that God is going to stand up against all of these Muslim nations that especially when you look back at the lineage of Edom and the Edomites that are along the mountain ranges of Mount Seir. Now you know what? If I was an, an Arab living in these areas, I would be very careful about the future days because we recall that Ezekiel pronounced major judgments on the territory known as the Jordan and on Gaza. In these areas, they were inhabited totally by Arabs and Muslims. And so, God takes up another Arab judgment prediction, this time against Mount Seir, which is an Arab mountain region that runs from south of the Dead Sea all the way to the Egyptian border. And so by virtue of the fact that this judgment is aimed at Mount Seir, not Edom, but who inhabited the area, this is a judgment that has a great focus. And so we look and we realize that... uh, The wooded slopes of the mountain ranges, that's all through the Old Testament uh, that this deals with. Uh, We look and we begin to realize that that this region was inhabited by the Horites in Genesis chapter 14, verse 6. But it ultimately was taken over by the descendants of Esau, who are the Arabs of today. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 to 16. Uh, Genesis chapter 36 verses 8 and 9, and Genesis chapter 42 verse 4. And so even Deuteronomy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 talks about the territory that God had given to Esau. So the Arabs referenced the true God, and had they honored Israel, this would have been a wonderful home for them. But the key cities of this region was Bozrah, And according to Jeremiah 49 13, God will make Bozeri an object lesson of his wrath. God is going to target this area with all of his judgment. And uh, during the tribulation and most of this area today is also modern Jordan. And so we look. God is going to bring a major judgment against those nations who persecuted Israel. And all the nations will be Arab nations that lived in the regions of Jordan. And so it's sad that uh, this is one of those things that uh, uh, today that is is sad to know that all of these nations, how bad they hate Israel, how bad they work against Israel, no matter what it is that they're doing, uh, they're always sizing up Israel, and they want Israel to fail miserably. And they played a big part in the downfall of Israel in all the past days as well. And so, you know, uh, you show me somewhere in history where the Arab world has acknowledged that, that Arabs are saying a lot of things. But as I move on, um, we see the dangers that Mount Seir or Edom can't dodge. And so these are the things that I'm gonna be talking about, the danger of greed and covetous, of being filled with hatred, And, uh, you know, uh, the danger of uh, provoking God's wrath, speaking evil against others, and speaking against God, and delighting the suffering and the adversity of others. As you see, the Muslim symbol and all the vultures that will be gathered around, especially for the Gog and Magog of Ezekiel 38 and 39, that he's going to wipe the enemies of Israel off the face of the map in the coming future days. And so we see sometimes uh, Mark Amin said, you don't realize your own strength until someone tries to take advantage of your weaknesses. Here, you've had a a relative of Esau, and all their lineage goes with the Amalekites, how that they have taken on, And mistreated the nation of Israel. And so we're reminded that the Lord has already pronounced judgment on Edom through Isaiah 34 and Isaiah 63. Also Jeremiah 49 and Ezekiel 25. But now he did it again and he added a little bit more details about it. Mount Seir, which is another name for Edom and the nation founded by Esau, Jacob's twin brother, while they were even fighting in the womb before they were born. And so, we look and we begin to realize that uh, as we're here in the church age, the rapture is the next thing we're waiting on. And then Jesus, but during that time, the restraint of the Holy Spirit will be removed. And there will be apostasy and Antichrist revealed during the tribulation. Then, uh, Jesus' second coming, Satan will be bound. The Antichrist destroyed during the, uh, after the, uh, the second coming, the millennial. And the white throne judgment. And then there'll be either heaven or hell in eternity for either one that makes those choices. Now, when will the prophecy of God's terrified invasion of Israel be fulfilled? Now, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but it kind of coincides with the judgment that's pronounced upon these Muslim nations that are here in Ezekiel chapter 35 and also Ezekiel 36, which I'm not going to get into tonight. But Basically, uh, the fact it becomes obvious, no invasion like the one described has ever taken place. And so, uh, when, there are at least eight different views as to the time frame of when the Gog-Magog war will take place. Some hold to the symbolic interpretation which suggests that a Pacific battle is not being described. Rather, the Lord's defeat of Gog is a picture of his power to defeat all enemies of his people, whether physical or spiritual, and deliver them. Number two of the of the second view, some hold that God's invasion will be launched right before the tribulation, close to, or right at that same time as the rapture of the church. Now, this is the view I I favor. Number three, some argue that God's invasion will occur in the middle of the tribulation, and they use uh, Revelation 20 and Daniel 11 as the basis of their Uh, positions on these things. Some others believe that God's invasion will take place at the end of the tribulation and the millennial reign of Christ, and they use several different scriptures for those in Revelation uh, 19, Zechariah 12, and Zechariah 14. And so, some think God's invasion will take place during the transitional period uh, between uh, the rapture of the church and the beginning of the seven-year period which is described in Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 19. Some say that God's invasion will occur during a transition period at the end of the tribulation and right before the millennial begins. And some conclude that God's invasion will occur at the end of the millennial. And they base their uh, position on the scriptures of Revelation 20 verses 7 and 8 and argue that these two chapters in Ezekiel and Revelation 27 and 8 verses 7 and 8 are speaking of the same battle. And there are those who hold that God's invasion takes place at the end of the seven-year tribulation, at which time the evil ruler will be defeated. Following his defeat, there'll be uh, 1,000 years of peace during the millennial reign of Christ, and then Satan will use God to once again launch an attempt to defeat God's purpose with Israel. Revelation 19 verses 17 through 21 is seen as a picture defeating the beast, Antichrist, his armies at the end of the great tribulation. And so Revelation chapter 20 verses 7 through 10 is seen as a picture of God completely completing the battle and the climactic against Satan and his wicked followers at the end of the millennium, and they are all judged and thrown into the lake of fire. And so, will the United States respond to God's fourth cycle of discipline? The United States threatened by terrorist states, the rod of the Lord's anger. Uh, It was October the 12th of 2000, the USS Cole was fired upon. Then 9-11-2001, attack uh, on the U.S. homeland. And as we see this, we're wondering when we're going to get hit next. America's response to God and that fourth cycle, U.S. and how we respond to the Lord is going to play a big part. Our future depends on the the response. Are we going to heed the warning that God has given us? Hmm. The question that comes about in this time frame is Ezekiel 38 and 39 that God destroys all of the terrorist states, and then comes the rapture of the church. And so, when we look at this, what happens after the rapture? Well, peace and safety for Israel. No Christians enter tribulation, and so we're raptured out. First half of three and a half years, Temples built, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3, and Revelation 6, 1 and 2, where destruction comes, the seals, the trumpets, the signs, the bowls, gospels preached, some people become Christian, second coming of Christ, the millennial reign, second half of the tribulation, three and a half years, and then we get on into Daniel all the way to Revelation that brings us in. And there's some Arabs that are running around saying, Alu Akbar. In Arabic, alu akbar, which actually means not that God is great, it means Allah is greater. And this is blasphemy against Jehovah Yahweh. They recite this believing that there Allah is greater than all the deities, including Israel's almighty God. And so, that's why this is a very important scripture in Ezekiel chapter 35. And so... Arabs would do well to take serious look at these particular scriptures. And uh, Ezekiel was getting direct revelation data uh, from God. Here we see God's advice. God's advice to the nations facing his judgments include, uh, be just in all of your decisions, maintain justice in your land. But what about the terrorists? Do what is right continually and be merciful to men. Be humble before God and consider ourselves warned as we look in days history past of the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Romans, were all allowed to invade the land of Israel to punish the people for violating their covenant with God in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 7. But the same has been true for other once righteous nations that decided to reject God's standards. The terrorists may also be used as the rod right of God's judgment against America. But we must remember that God does not let violent cultures continue for very long on earth, and he will eventually deal with the terrorists. And so of all the lives that were lost during 9-11, remembering them, we got to remember that God does not let violent cultures continue and go on and on and on. The question that we must answer now is, are we as a nation going to respond to God's discipline and change our ways? And will we march ahead, oblivious to the divine cycle of judgment that we're experiencing? Because on September 11th, 2001, we were given a warning, but it will not be our last. What we choose to do in the months and years determine our future as America. I believe that. And so if God decides to use the terrorist states against us as his rod of anger, It won't be long before the events of Ezekiel 38 and 39 will rapidly unfold, and these are the next events on the timeline of God's plan for mankind. We know this because in Ezekiel 36 and 37, Israel becomes a nation again. Uh, The dry bones have been constantly coming back to life. Israel is thriving like they never have before. New discoveries off of the coast of gas lines. Uh, all of the inventions, all of the best medicines, all of the best everything has come from the nation of Israel and God's people, the Jews. And so the process is compared to uh, the bodies of dead, dry bones that are coming back together. Hallelujah. Hope for America's last generation. Here we begin to look that, and we see uh, the, the steps God will bring his people back together, turn them into a vibrant and powerful nation again. And here we see that he talks about how in Ezekiel 37 uh, verses 12, 13 and 14, that he goes on and he tells, and I ain't going to read all of this, but he said, oh, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up. From them, And I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Wow. God controls history. And the point here that God will raise up nations, people, groups to bring his judgment on other cultures that have rebelled against him. And in this particular instance, Mount Seir, which is Edom or the Edomites, and are also a part of Amalek. And so God's answer to Habakkuk may be the same answer for us today as we consider the world events and the descriptions. What about the terrorist Again, used to identify Babylon as a, a, a modern-day terrorist. They're angry and discontented, rash and ready to take the land that is not theirs, uh, feared that a law to themselves, self-promoting violent. the rise of terrorism may be God's hand of judgment on America and the West. And if we ignore the possibility, we might uh, miss God's warning signs. We've got the weakest leadership that I've ever saw in my entire life in the White House. It's a puppet. I don't mean no disrespect. I just mean to be truthful. And every nation in uh, in the world looks at America as a weakness because of a weak leader. We have been undersold and sold out in America to where we fail. We're set up to fail. We've get, Listen, I like uh, just as good a clean energy as anybody, but we're making choices and things in America that we're not even ready for. You're going to shut down all the coal energy, and you ain't even got enough green energy to provide all these electric cars. You're going to be shutting down people's power in the coming days. Oh, uh, uh, these folks over there have it in the morning. You'll have it in the afternoon. That's the thing that we're going to see in the coming days. And so if we ignore the possibility that we might miss God's warning signs, we must not be like the people of Jesus' generation who were wise concerning the physical world but not uh, perceiving what was happening in the spiritual realm. And so, I'll tell you, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 54 and 55, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, hey, it's going to be hot. And it is. Well, in the next verse, Jesus said, hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? And so we must not be like Jerusalem in 30 AD or northern Israel in 760 BC or Judah in 640 BC. We have, been, we have to begin correctly analyzing, analyzing the signs of the time in light of God's word. And if we do this, we will see that the righteousness of our country has faded and God has raised a group of people to bring judgment on us like terrorists and we must respond correctly to avoid the disaster. And like Nineveh did when uh, uh, the preacher came. And he went out and preached after he got spit upon dry ground. Huh? Oh, Jonah. Because if we don't, we'll see face ourselves with an ultimate judgment worse than remembering 9-11 that's coming up. And so in 640 BC, all of this that we see that's taking place, hope for America today as we look and we begin to realize that our time of remembrance is coming up. And so every one of us we look at six dangers Edom can't dodge. Amen? Six dangers that Edom cannot dodge. As we get into the wonderful word of God, we see the enemy of God's people destroyed, a picture of six dangers to avoid. Now, we've seen the Lord God open the mouth of the prophet Ezekiel in the previous chapter so that he can speak to the whole house of Israel over whom the Lord has made Ezekiel a watchman on the wall. And chapters 35, and eventually when we get into chapter 36, we have connected prophecy here. These two chapters speak of both the final destruction of Israel's bitter enemies and the certain multiplying of the people of Israel to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, the valleys, and the forsaken cities of the land, the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. Amen. And so we see that the desolate land shall be tilled, and become like the Garden of Eden, and the ruined cities shall become fenced and inhabited. But today, as the Lord enables us, we look in this 35th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. and preparation, we look at the background concerning Esau, Edom, and Mount Seir as the grandson of Esau of Amalek. And we look and begin to realize that the judgment that's coming upon Edom or Esau's descendants who dwelled in Mount Seir. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau, brother of Jacob. And they were first mentioned in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 6, as the home of the whole rights, as I said earlier. And then Mount Seir is when Esau moves there with his substance because he and Jacob were too wealthy to live together. And so um, uh, we see uh, on in Genesis chapter 36 that Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, and all the persons of his house, his cattle, all his beasts, and all his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan, and he went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob, for their riches were more than that they might dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. Huh? You can go on and read in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 12. And so all of this... That goes in with a background of how this takes place and comes about, and so sometimes we find ourselves in dangerous situations. A natural catastrophe, an accident, a disease, an assault, or even a misjudgment can put our lives in danger. There are some dangers in life that we can avoid. If we do not, we have no one to blame but ourselves when we find ourselves in serious trouble. Amen? And so, The practical message that we look at here uh, as we see Edom and the example that Ezekiel describes as the six dangers that we must avoid and dodge if we wish to escape God's judgment. Now America, I'm looking at you as the type here in the place of this that you've got to dodge these dangers because if you don't, the terrorists are coming back, and there's already been the warning that I've thus already said, and so God gave the Jewish exiles the wonderful promise that he would give them a shepherd king and the person of the coming Messiah. The shepherd king would restore the Jewish exiles to the promised land, make their nation peaceful, secure, and prosperous, and when the exiles heard this promise, a question naturally arose, you know? And so, how could they be restored to a land when much of it was not occupied by other nations? God's answer to the exiles question is, after the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, exiled the Jewish survivors, the nations surrounding Israel began to lay claim to the territory that now lay in ruins. And so... Uh, the leaders of those nations encouraged their citizens to establish settlements in Israel's territory, in the hope of enlarging their own borders. And because of their deep-seated hatred for the Jews, the Edomites were the worst offenders. Keep in mind that this passage we look at a uh, reference because it points both to the return of the Jews from Babylon and to their return in the last days of human history, when Christ comes back to establish God's kingdom on earth. Amen. And so, Edom represents all the nations that have occupied Israel. Through his prophet, the Lord told the exiles that a day was coming when he would execute judgment upon all the wicked nations who had rejected him and his eternal plan for the world. In that day, God would remove them from the land so that the Jews uh, could return and rebuild their nation. God would judge Edom and Israel's other enemies because they failed to avoid these six dangers. And so, as we start out, we begin to see those dangers. And that is, number one, is the, uh, the Edomites rejected God and they forced him to take a stand against them. The danger of provoking God's wrath in verses 1 through 4. And so, as we see that, that wrath that has been provoked, here we see in verse 1 of Ezekiel 35, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Ezekiel, here we see. And so, here, Ezekiel is getting a direct revelation directly from God. It's not a prophet sitting around making up things about Arab nations. This information is coming directly from God himself. So God is the one who is giving Ezekiel this information about his coming judgment against this part of the world. Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. Never do you want to read some prophetic word that starts out by saying God's against you. You don't want God against you, uh, Muslims. But I'm telling you, the day's coming when there will be nothing left of you, all of those ones that's come against the nation of Israel will be wiped totally out. And say unto it, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee, and I will stretch out my hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate. Verse four, I will lay thy cities waste, thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. And so, he is not just doing this to a mountain range, but to the cities that are in the Mount Seir region. God does not specifically say what he's going to do but what is revealed is that he specifically intends to target this area and stretch out his hand and make it a desolate waste area his hand uh, as he does this this land that is gloated uh, over what has happened negatively to Israel will suffer the same fate Can you imagine somebody that's out there working against you that should have been working with you And God intends to completely wipe out this part of the world. And when he does, those Arabs will know and Muslims that Allah is not God. Jehovah is God. He's the God of Almighty. Because what did he say? And thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Amen? The Arab would still think their Muhammad invented deity Allah is their God. You know what? Boy, I'm going to tell you, there's nobody more manipulative than, than Muhammad because uh believe it not even though he didn't he was not able to read or write he was smart enough to manipulate what he did write and he copied i believe the word of god somehow or another that he was as he began to duplicate it in a sense one day they'll know the truth god's judgment will cause them to face the truth and the truth god is jehovah the god of israel and so we see secondly that the Edomites hated the Israelites and the danger of being filled with hatred and malice. Here in verse five, because thou hast not a perpetual hatred and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity in the time that their iniquity had an end. And so the judgment grounds begin because the Arabs have had an everlasting enmity against uh, Israel. And so here's where everything begins to take off and, and take place as we look and we begin to realize that this judgment grounds that starts out and how that it, it begins to, uh, 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 as the these states, uh, the animosity, the hatred that the Arabs have had uh, for the nation of Israel for all these many years because they thought that everything belonged to to Esau and not Jacob and uh, and so all of the uh, fight and the hatred for each other as the years went by the Arabs became the arch enemy of Israel they committed violent acts against Israel according to Joel 319 and when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem the Arabs clapped their hands with joy the history of the Arabs their relationship with Israel is one of the most continual hatred they never were convicted that what they were doing was wrong and sinful, and they they were not ever interested in being right with Israel. And that is exactly how the Palestinians and the Arabs are today. They don't want peace with Israel. They never have and they never will. They want to rise above them and stand over them and step on them. It's one thing to have a point of time when you blow it. It's quite another to persist in something that's evil. And God says, Because you have so hated Israel, I will be indignant forever with you. Malachi chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. And so we see that God instructs his prophet to set his face against Mount Seir, which is another name for Edom. And from the earliest days, how that this has been going on down through the centuries that the Edom the Edomites uh, valued the things of the world more than they did the Lord and his wonderful promises. And as Ezekiel has already pointed out the Edomites were a vengeful, adulterous people, ruthless, brutal, given over to the spirit of war. And in all its ways, Edom stood against the Lord, rejecting His holy commandments, as the Lord stood against Edom, and all of the desolate waste that they have done. And so God's purpose in executing judgment against the Edomites through judgment that they uh, that they would. Uh, uh, begin to cry out for his mercy and his help and repent and commit themselves to worship and serve God alone. But it never happened. And so here we look and begin to realize how horrible it is that Edom's fate warns us of a grave danger, the danger of provoking God's wrath by rejecting him. And if we reject the Lord, he will reject us. His wrath will fall upon any of us who reject him. And so, I tell you, when we look and we begin to realize that uh, uh, of all the things that the Edomites rejected God and forced him to take a stand against them, the danger of provoking God's wrath in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, also the Edomites that hated the Israelites, the danger of being filled uh, with hatred and malice in verses 5 through 9 that we're currently reading right now. He says, all of these things. He said, because thou hast had a perpetual hatred and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. Esau had developed a bitter hatred for his brother Jacob, and he passed this hatred down to his children and then to generation after generation of their descendants. What a horrible thing to be eat up with all of this bitterness. Esau's descendants, the Edomites, hated Joseph's descendants and the Israelites. And so sometimes they even attacked, slaughtered the Israelites. And this happened when Edom helped Babylon besiege and destroy Jerusalem. And that's what it's talking about here in verse 5 uh, that we see. And so the second of judgment grounds, because the Arabs have been in a constant war with Israel. And so the bloodshed that will pursue Edom. Here in verse 6, Therefore as I live, saith the Lord God, I... Will prepare thee unto blood, and blood shall pursue thee. Since thou hast not hated blood, even blood shall pursue thee. And so we see that the word blood, the correct uh, pronunciation or translation is blood shed. Four times that it happens. And so the judgmental action that God will allow their blood to be shed. He goes on in verse 7, thus will I make Mount Seir most desolate, cut off from it, him that passes out, and him that returneth. Here we see not only the judgmental action that God will completely destroy Mount Seir, but also, he says, and I will fill his mountains with his slain men, and thy hills, and thy valleys, and all thy rivers shall they fall that are slain with the sword. And so, he goes on in verse 9, and I will make thee perpetual desolations, and thy city shall not returning, ye shall know again that I am the Lord. Amen. And so here we see that God would make Edom desolate forever. And so as we go forward, the judgmental action that God will destroy the cities, they will be uninhabited. And so we get to that third danger that Edom can't dodge. Edomites conveyed the land of Israel and the danger of greed and covetous. God says, I'm going to give that land back to the nation of Israel. In verses 10 and 11, because thou hast said these two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. Here of the judgment grounds. Number three, the Arabs have said they possess all that belongs to Israel, but they are so wrong because that land is not rightful of theirs. The covenant, they might have been used as a punishment, Uh, in some ways, but God's covenant was with Abraham, and it will always stand no matter what. Nothing will ever change from that. And so, when we look and we begin to realize that the judgment grounds uh, that will take place uh, in this time frame uh, that we see, uh, how that, uh, uh, as God begins to go forward, because the Arabs have said that they Uh, they have always wanted everything that belongs to Israel. They want her possession. They want her land. She has wanted land that God promised to Israel, and now it's very critical. God has punished Israel for her rebellion, which is why Israel is not in her land now. However, listen, God has never gone back on his promise that the land does belong to Israel, and it is still Israel's land, and one day God intends to bring her land back. And so, here, the actual presence of God has been in the promised land. The Arabs fight for that land. They want that land, God says, because of that, my judgment is coming against you. And so, when we look and we begin to realize that, therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will even do according to thine anger and according to thy envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred against them. And I will make myself known among them when I have judged them thee. Here we see the judgment grounds number four because the Edomites have been angry against Israel. And, and so the Arabs have never been a friend to Israel. They've always been angry uh, against them uh, uh, over the years and over the years of time. It's sad that uh, we see things like this happening uh, today that all the things that go on in Israel that have been transpiring that all of a sudden the Edomites sought every opportunity to either conquer Israel or to lay claim to some of its land. And so the Edomites are going to reap exactly what they've sown. They had sown anger and envy, and therefore they're going to reap anger and envy. And so the angry invader that coveted their land was going to destroy them, and the judgment would honor the Lord's name. Amen? Through the judgment of Edom, God would make himself known among the Israelites. And so here we see that as we go forward, the judgment number five of the judgment grounds, because the Edomites have been envious of Israel. And so the slogan that says, from the river to the sea, it means the Arabs want all the land that belongs to Israel from the Jordan to the Mediterranean. And the Arabs have never been thankful for what God has given to Israel. They've always been envious and jealous and they want to take everything away from Israel, including every inch of land that they can. But I'm going to tell you, we look and see that judgment grounds number six because the Edomites have been hate, been hateful of Israel. And the Arabs do not just have a misunderstanding with Israel. They hate Israel's guts. And so it's sad that we see all of this hatred uh, that has taking place over all these years between uh, these two. And it's sad that things like this in the world have to take place of all the hatred that there could be no peace whatsoever. And so, as we continue on, we see the uh, fourth of the six dangers. The Edomites slaughtered the Israelites and the danger of speaking evil against others. Amen. And so, when we look and begin to realize that of all the things that have been transpiring uh, between these two, uh, the Edomites and Israel over all of the years, we look and we see uh, a sad time uh, that's coming because uh, the Edomites, they were guilty of slandering the nation of Israel and its people and because of that bitter hatred in their hearts, the Edomites seized every opportunity to speak evil against the Jews. Whatever they suffered, the Edomites were quick to insult and uh, they encouraged Israel's enemies in their attempts to go against and harass and oppress the Jews and to conquer their land. And for this, God's hand of judgment is going to fall upon the Edomites. And so, as we look, Edom's fate warns us of the danger of speaking evil against others. How many out there gossiping or saying something bad about somebody? Maybe you're saying something bad about somebody and you're slandering their name and it's gossiping. Uh, God's judgment will fall upon you. And that time will come. And so in verse 12, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord again, he says that, and that I have heard all thy blasphemies, which thou hast spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying they are laid desolate, they are given us to consume. And so that seventh ground, because the Arabs have reviled and spoken against Israel. Then the fifth one, the Edomites defiled God, they boasted against him and the danger of speaking against God. You know how sad that that is that we see Uh, all of those nations out there that they're uh, worshiping nothing but false things, and they're blinded to it. It's sad uh, that uh, one of these days their eyes will be open, but it'll be too late because they will be gone and destroyed completely off the face of the earth. And so the Edomites defiled God. They boasted against him, and the danger was speaking against God. Here, They acted against God without restraint in verses 13 and 14, multiplying their words against him, and the Edomites denied the Lord. And therefore, they thought that they could defy and curse him without any consequences. I I beg your pardon, because they overlooked one fact. Denying the truth does not negate the truth. If a fact is true, it is true whether people accept it or not. And, And so, Since the Lord is the only living and true God and the creator of all the universe, the Edomites defiance of him mattered a great deal because God heard every single word they said. And because of their blasphemy, because they defiled and cursed his name, they will face his hand of judgment. Do you hear me, America? Because the warning has been sent and the Lord will make these ones desolate. The entire earth will rejoice over their fall. And so we see... Then he goes on, thus with your mouth ye have boasted against me and have multiplied your words against me, and I have heard them. Hear that judgment of grounds eight, because the Arabs have arrogantly spoken against God. Thus saith the Lord God, when the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate. And so it brings us to our sixth. The Edomites rejoiced over the misfortune of Israel, and here as we look and realize that uh, it's sad that uh, as we look at the future unfolding and all of the crazy things, we see that uh, the Edomites rejoiced over the misfortune of Israel, the danger of delighting the suffering and the adversity of others. Here in verse 15, down through history, whenever raiders harassed the border villages of Israel, the Edomites gloated over the hardships of the Israelites. They rejoiced when the bandits and the nations invaded Israel and caused its people misery. And so it's sad that we look and realize that they took a great delight in rejoicing over the evil that fell upon the Jewish people. The Lord pronounced judgment upon Edom and he would give the Edomites perfect justice. They're going to reap exactly what they sowed. If you're in America, listen to this, Facebook, you're going to reap exactly what you sow. And so here, uh, as we get ready to close out, the Edomites would know that the Lord is the only living and true God. As thou didst rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee. Thou shalt be desolate, O Mount Seir, and all in Endomea, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Here we see that final, that judgment grounds number nine, because the Arabs rejoiced over the bad things that happened to Israel. And so we know that uh, the people uh, always, uh, the Edomites rejoiced over the pain of others and especially the nation of Israel each and every time uh, that they did this. It's sad that there's people out there that does anyone who rejoices over the suffering and the pain of others will face God's terrifying judgment that's coming. As we talked about the Edomites, how that they have six dangers that Edom can't dodge. I hope and pray that America gets the message loud and clear. They ain't going to be able to dodge it either if they don't do the right thing and heed the warnings of God that he's given to each and every one of us. Father, thank you for the message. And Lord, I send your blessings out to the many that will accept you into their heart and lives as a personal savior. Protect the nation of Israel. Protect all of our uh, church families, and the many, Lord, that are going through difficult times right now. I pray your healing upon this nation. Lord, you've got you to do some cleaning of the house. There's some filthy dirt that's in places that needs to be removed. And Lord, I pray for your judgment to come down and remove the filthy dirt that has got into our leadership in our politicians and across this nation that is stagnant and it has rapidly petrified this nation and it has changed our youngsters and our millennials. And Father, I pray God that they would have good leadership that would set a good example in the coming days of what we as Americans stand for because we were based on the democracy of the Word of God, The Word of God changed our lives and our nation, and we based our nation upon those principles. And now we have some people that come in that they want to change everything that's been established all of these 200-something years just because they want to do what they want to do. They don't want to abide by the principles or the standards. They don't think that they're held to any higher standard. They want to sin and do whatever they want to do that pleases them. But God will not allow it, and he's given his warning. And Father, I pray that America heeds it before it's too late. In Jesus' marvelous mighty name, amen. God bless you.